We're going to read from the Bible together now, and I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 25, and a parable that the Lord Jesus told while he was on earth. It's Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, and it's known as the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, and this is God's word to us. Jesus said, For it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he, also ha- and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who is the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, be, will, will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this afternoon. Well, at this point in our service, I want to say a word or two about John's life. Uh, John Robinson was born on the 16th of July, 1939. He was the oldest child of Matthew and Mary Robinson and was the older brother of May. Uh, John was born and reared reared on the Carnlock Road and attended Mullandrine Primary School. After finishing his primary education, he went to the intermediate before going on to the tech And after finishing tech, John worked at Jack Smith's garage and served his time as a mechanic. His love of cars was to follow him throughout the rest of his life. In his early years, he met Mary, and after going out for around five years, John and Mary were married in Bucknaw Presbyterian Church on the 6th of August, 1964. Initially, John and Mary lived with Mary's father before moving to Winsmore Park in Brasheen. They stayed in Brasheen for six years or so before moving to the family home on the Carnock Road in 1971. 
It was during their time in Bershain, though, that their marriage was blessed by the birth of their daughter, daughter Shauna, in 1968. Having worked at Jack Smith's garage for some time, John applied for and was successful in getting a job at 23MU at Aldergrove. He worked as an aircraft fitter and thoroughly enjoyed his work. However, it was while working at 23MU that he was encouraged and allowed to go on day release to train to be a teacher. He often spoke to me of how that encouragement was of great benefit to him in terms of his career. Having successfully trained to be a teacher, his first teaching job was in Antrim High. In 1973, though, he moved to Dunclug and taught technology there until his retirement in 2001. John was very good with his hands and his past pupils, many of whom are here today, recall his thoroughness and preciseness in the classroom. His interest and passion for education continued long after his retirement as well. John served on the Board of Governors of Hazelbank Primary School and served as Chairman between 2006 and 2019. And I know that both Mr Russell and Mrs Gray deeply appreciated the time, energy and wisdom he gave to the inner workings of the school. But, but by far and away the most significant moment of John's life though was his conscious and personal decision to trust in the Lord Jesus as his saviour. That happened in his early years and was to have a significant impact on the rest of his life. It was during the ministry of the Reverend Tom Cumming that John's faith blossomed and flourished. He became an officer in the BB Company in Buckna and served along with fellow elders like Paddy Cruikshank and James Ballantyne. He also became superintendent of Kellyharn Sunday School in 1974, a position which he held until the hall closed in 2001. I've heard of people in the past number of days who were deeply influenced by his ministry and leadership at Kellyharn. He was able to answer questions about the Bible and theology and had a significant influence on many young people becoming Christians. It was this spiritual ability, this godly character, that led the congregation in Buckna to elect John as an elder. He was ordained in 1981 and threw himself into the work of the eldership. His attention to detail, his care for people, and his ability as an organiser was noticed. And when Robert Fleck retired as clerk of session in 1997, John took his place. And he was to serve his saviour as clerk of session from 1997 until his death on Saturday. As clerk of session, he provided godly leadership, stability and consistency to our congregation. John served as clerk under the ministries of the Reverend Leslie Addis, the Reverend Mark Neely and myself. The relationship between clerk of session and minister is perhaps the most important relationship in any congregation. John was always supportive. He always provided wise counsel he always wanted to progress the work here, and he was well used to keeping delicate matters confidential too. You could tell John anything in the world, and you would be sure that it would go no further. As well as being the first clerk of session that I have worked with, he was also my friend. We laughed together. We cried together. We, we encouraged each other and supported each other. And I'm eternally grateful to have known him and met him and to have worked for the Saviour with him. On a personal level, 
both Lynn and I will miss him greatly. Uh, Outside of church, John did have other interests, although over the years, Mary quipped, Bukna comes first. The family was important to John, and he was a devoted husband to Mary. They were a good team, a good partnership. They were two perfectionists and complemented each other. But according to Mary, John still had his moments. John was also a devoted father to Shauna and father-in-law to Lenny. He was an even more devoted grandfather to Kelsey and Cara, and the family of so many special memories of how he would not only keep his own garden in immaculate condition, but would also keep Lenny and Shauna's in immaculate condition as well, of how they would sit on the summer seat with him and just watch the world go by, of how they would watch the house martins swoop in and out of the garage from that same summer seat, of how he would secretly count the number of cars that had passed him while he was outside, and then with excitement ask them to guess how many had gone by, of how he would do thoughtful things like make a little greenhouse for Cara to grow vegetables in, all because she had mentioned it in passing, of how he watched Kelsey's graduation on repeat for weeks, only to watch the wrong graduation, the graduation of a different faculty, a a graduation that Kelsey wasn't at by mistake. (laughs) Of how they all, Lenny included, had specific time slots to bring their cars down to his house so he could wash them for him, for them. They have described John as patient, godly, easily pleased, funny, or not that funny, as Mary said. He was willing to do things for you, to go the extra mile. There were two things that he wasn't good at, though, cooking and singing. And the family reminded him of that every now and again. John enjoyed good health for the majority of his life. He loved the outdoors and was fit and active. However, following his recent admission to hospital, his health took an unexpected deterioration last week. He sadly died peacefully in the Royal Victoria Hospital on Saturday evening. His death comes as a shock to his family, as a shock to our church family, and as a shock to the wider community. Mary and Shauna and the family circle would like to thank family members and friends who have supported them over recent days and those who have called at the house. John was was dearly loved and will be greatly missed. But this afternoon, John would not have wanted all the talk to be about himself. As someone who trusted in the Lord Jesus, John's deepest desire would have been that we spend some time considering what the Bible says and of how we all need to trust in Jesus. That's the thing about John. We've heard a lot about his life, but like all of us, he had his moments. And when it comes to having moments, the Bible uses different language, different words. It calls having moments sin and tells us that we have all sinned against God, we have all broken his law, and we have all turned away from him. This afternoon, we've read from Matthew 25 and from a section of scripture which speaks about several things of God's judgment of rebellion against him, of the importance of being ready for this time of judgment, and what this readiness looks like for followers of Jesus. There are some difficult and fearful images in this part of the Bible, but in the section we have read, the focus is on followers of Jesus making the most of the opportunities and resources God has given them. When we talk about a man like John, it's very easy to make the mistake of thinking, that he was a good man, a great man. He was, and we have many fond memories of him. But he was also a sinner 
who needed a saviour. The, the simple and clear testimony of the Bible is that our salvation, our rescue, is not dependent on our level of performance and the things that we do. Our salvation is dependent on us trusting in Jesus alone. But having done that, we're called to faithfully and thankfully respond to the God who has saved us. I want us to think about the parable we've read together for a few moments this afternoon. The, the, the flow of the parable is very easy to understand. It's called the parable of the talents. J Jesus tells the story of a man going on a journey who asks his servants to look after his property and possessions. We're told about three servants who get different numbers of talents. The word talents doesn't mean that these servants were given talents in the way that we would understand them. In New Testament times, a talent was a unit of money that was worth a significant amount, about 20 years wages. Well, one servant, servant gets five talents, a second gets two talents, a third gets one talent. They're all entrusted with a lot. The servant with the five talents and the two talents both double what they have, but the servant with the one talent wastes his. At a root level, this parable speaks to us about the, li the lives that God has given each and, each and every one of us and of how one day we will all stand and give an account for the life that we have lived. In verse 19, we're told that the master came and settled accounts with his servants. It's a picture of Jesus returning and judging everyone who has ever lived. Well, what happens when the master returns is the same thing that will happen when Jesus returns one day. He will separate those who have trusted in him and those who have rejected him. On the one hand, Jesus will speak beautiful words of commendation to the faithful. That's the first thing we see in this parable. Jesus will speak beautiful words of commendation to the faithful. The, the, the master returns and meets the servant with the five talents and the servant with the two talents. And he says the same thing to both of them. First in verse 21 and then in verse 23. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The, the, the master's identical statements of praise to both servants show, shows that what was important wasn't the amount earned, but the faithfulness shown in using what had been given to them. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. The picture is that faithful stewardship in this life will result in being given greater responsibility and stewardship in the life to come. The Bible's view of heaven is that we will work and have fruitful lives for all eternity. The, the idea of working in heaven is foreign to us, but it's worth remembering that work wasn't part of the fall. Work was part of God's original creation, which was very good. In the new heaven and new earth, work will be redeemed and transformed and won't have any of the frustrations that we experience now. When the master speaks to the faithful servants, he doesn't offer them retirement. He says, you've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. The hope that we have this afternoon is that having been faithful over a little, John has now been set over much by his saviour. And John has also heard those beautiful words of commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's so striking that that phrase, that the phrase used is not successful servant. 
It's not rich servant. It's not intelligent servant. It's faithful servant. And to be a faithful servant of Jesus means that you're loyal to him, you're devoted to him, you're committed to him, your faith and trust in him is unswerving and unwavering. Well, what happens when the master returns is the same thing that will happen when Jesus returns one day. He will separate those who have trusted in him and those who have rejected him. On the one hand, Jesus will speak beautiful words of commendation to the faithful. But on the other hand, Jesus will speak awful words of condemnation to the wasteful. That's the second thing we see in this parable. Jesus will speak awful words of condemnation to the wasteful. The third servant in the parable doesn't use his talents in the same way as the first two servants. Listen to what he tells his master in verses 24 and 25. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The problem the third servant has is that he doesn't understand who his master is. He thinks that he's a hard man, a difficult man, someone who was hard to work for. This misunderstanding of who his master is led him to being a bad steward. The, the, the really challenging picture is that this is what people who don't trust in Jesus are like. We have all received one God-given life, and if we choose to reject God, we're turning our back on the person who brought us into being. So, so many people today have a misunderstanding of who God is. People think that God is an angry old man in the sky who's just shaking his fist at us. Nothing is further than the truth. God cannot tolerate sin in his presence, but it was out of love for sinners that he sent Jesus into the world. In the parable, the master responds to what the third servant says in this way. He says, you wicked and slothful servant. And after responding to the specifics of what the servant has said, we're told that he says, cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They are awful words of condemnation. The phrases outer darkness and, and weeping and gnashing of teeth are typical descriptions of hell. What happens when the master returns is the same thing that will happen when Jesus returns one day. He will separate those who have trusted in him and those who have rejected him. On the one hand, Jesus will speak beautiful words of commendation to the faithful, but on the other hand, Jesus will speak awful words of condemnation to the wasteful. The challenge for you this afternoon is to think about the words that you will hear when you stand before the Lord Jesus. Will they be beautiful words of commendation because you've been faithful, because you have, first of all, trusted in Jesus personally and then served him faithfully all of your days? Or will they be awful words of condemnation because you've been wasteful? Having received one God-given life, you chose to waste it by chasing the things of this world, by putting your hope in things that won't last, by thinking, I'll be all right because I'm a good person, by never dealing with the problem of your sin. The parable of the talents in Matthew 25 is a solemn warning to you not to waste your one God-given life 
by rejecting God and Jesus Christ. It's a call for you to come to realize that God is the giver of all things, that you've rejected him in your heart, and that by your actions, and by your actions, and that your only hope of rescue is by trusting in what Jesus has done on the cross. When we talk about a man like John, it's very easy to mistake. It's very easy to make the mistake of thinking that he was a good man, a great man. He was, and we miss him dearly, and we have many fond memories of him. But he was also a sinner who needed a savior. The wonderful hope we have this afternoon, though is that just after seven o'clock on Saturday night here on earth, John was brought into the presence of his Saviour immediately upon his death. And finding himself immediately in the Saviour's presence, he heard those beautiful words of commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. John Robinson was a faithful servant. He was a devoted husband Father, grandfather, brother, teacher, clerk of session, elder, and friend. But most importantly of all, he was a faithful servant. And in that way, he points us all to his faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who cried out those awful words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? So that we might hear his beautiful words of forgiveness, acceptance, and commendation. The simple and clear testimony of the Bible is that our salvation, our rescue, is not dependent on our level of performance, on the things that we do. Our salvation is dependent on trusting in Jesus alone. Are you trusting in Jesus today? Have you turned to Christ? Have you repented of your sin and called out to him for forgiveness? What happens when the master returns in, in the parable of Matthew 25 is the same thing that will happen when Jesus returns one day. He will separate those who have trusted in him and those who have rejected him. That means that answering the question, are you trusting in Jesus, is the most important thing you will ever do. If you have trusted him, this passage calls you to continue to follow him and to continue to be faithful to him. And it promises you that one day, Jesus will speak beautiful words of commendation to the faithful. But if you haven't trusted him, if you aren't trusting in him, you're reminded that if you continue in your rejection of him, Jesus will one day speak awful words of condemnation to the wasteful. It's my deep and earnest prayer that having considered the Lord's word together this afternoon, if you haven't already, you will see your need of Christ your need of salvation and come to trust in Jesus alone, that you too will be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ, just like John Robinson was. Both the family and I appreciate the presence of the Reverend Mark Neely here this afternoon. Mark is the minister in First Ahockle Presbyterian Church and is the previous minister of Bukna, and he's going to come now and lead us in prayer and share some reflections of John. Well, Stephen, I want to thank you very much indeed for this opportunity just to uh, share with you a little bit this afternoon. And thank you as well for a, a very clear, strong uh, message from Scripture and a wonderfully warm tribute as well. 
Now, how on earth do you describe John Robinson in just a couple of minutes? Well, I couldn't help thinking that it was a little bit like trying to fill a barrel with thimblefuls of water, and it's kind of like an impossible task. And that's how it feels speaking about John Robinson here this afternoon. As a devout follower of Jesus Christ, he exhibited many of the Lord's attributes. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, dedication, single-mindedness, love, patience, joy, steadfastness, and so many more. There's a saying that came to my mind when I was thinking about John Robinson, and, and it's this saying, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing well. And any job that John did, he did exceptionally well. I never in 15 years as the minister here saw John doing a half job or doing any job half-heartedly. He was meticulous, thorough, and proficient in everything that he did. Whether it was teaching the Bible class that we shared for many years, uh, writing the minutes of Kirk Session, uh, chairing the Board of Governors in uh, Hazelbank Primary School, or doing the announcements. He, he used to print the announcement sheet, and then if I wasn't here, uh, he usually did the announcements better than I could ever have done them. John was 100% committed to everything that he did. Over the years, I lost count of the number of times that I phoned John or called around to see him to get his advice on difficult circumstances or in an impossible situation. His advice was always sound, wise, and astute. His counsel was trustworthy and utterly confidential. We trusted each other thoroughly and backed each other entirely. He was a gifted man, a talented man, a capable man, a godly man, and John Robinson was my friend. John and I shared many interests over the years, many things that we could have talked about all day and laughed about, as Stephen referred to earlier on. And one of those was cars. Uh, we both shared a great interest in cars, uh, the only difference being that he tended to keep his an awful lot cleaner than mine. Uh, we also shared a great interest in theological books, and uh, the only difference there was that his tended to be a lot sounder than mine, and he certainly kept them a lot more neatly than mine. One interest, however, that we just couldn't share was in music. Uh, John told me that he was absolutely and utterly tone deaf, and I said to him, I don't believe you, John. I said, there's nobody who's tone deaf. Anybody can be taught how to sing or how to play. Um, they just need the instruction. And so we were visiting a house one day, and, and I thought I would prove my point. And there was a piano sitting in the room, and I went over to the piano. I opened a book, and I found the national anthem, and I began playing the national anthem poorly. And uh, after I finished, I turned around to John, and I says, well, John, do you know what I was just playing? And he says, well, I, I, I think it was the national anthem. I says, there you go, John. I said, I've just proved my point. He says, well, the only reason I knew it was the national anthem was because everybody else in the house stood up. <laughs> he was absolutely and utterly tone deaf. 
And John often would have quipped with me that the one thing that he was looking forward to more about getting to heaven than anything else was being able to sing. And I imagine him today not just walking the streets of gold in heaven, not just entering in and out of that mansion that Jesus Christ has prepared for him, not just hearing the choir of angels praise his God, but I imagine John today with a big, strong, clear, tuneful voice joining in with them and glorifying his Savior. John's death will leave a massive hole in all of our lives and in this congregation of Bucknan, which he was so involved over so many years. But if we could see where John is right now, if we could see what John is experiencing right now, believe me when I say this, we wouldn't want to bring him back for even one second of what this world has to offer, this veil of tears. Psalm 116 verse 15 reminds us, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. John was a saint. Not because he was perfect. Goodness knows Mary will tell you he wasn't perfect. But he was a saint. He wasn't perfect, but the Savior who died for him was. And John died trusting in that Savior. Saint means a set-apart one. And without a shadow of a doubt, John set apart his life for the glory and honor of God. Today, as Stephen has said, he has already heard those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Today, he enters into a new, or I should say on Saturday, he entered into a new realm of service, service with perfect energy, service with perfect clarity, perfect hearing, and a perfect singing voice. And there he will be serving his Lord forevermore. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you today for the life of John Robinson. We want to thank you, Lord, for someone whose life impacted on each of ours. We want to thank you for someone who uh, loved his family. We thank you for someone who sought to put them first in so many ways in his life. First, that is, after his Savior. And Lord, we bring his family to you today. We pray, Lord, for his wife of many decades, for Mary. And Lord, we ask that you would comfort her in the midst of her loss. We realize that even at this stage, it probably seems like a bad dream. But Lord, we ask that you would sustain her in the days ahead, that you would comfort her and reassure her. And Lord, we pray for Shauna and Lenny, we thank you, Lord, for the blessing that John was to them, for the many wonderful memories Shauna has of her dad growing up. And Lord, we thank you that he was 
a great father and father-in-law. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help them to hold on to those wonderful, wonderful memories. And, Lord, we realize that he doted on his grandchildren, Kelsey and Cara. We realize that it was almost impossible to have a conversation with John without him bringing them up somewhere in that conversation. And, Lord, we realize that their loss will be great at this time. Sustain them in the midst of it. Remind this family that underneath and around are your everlasting arms. And Lord, we think of his sister May. We realize that her memories of John probably go back further than anybody here today. And Lord, we thank you for the strength and warmth of relationship that they enjoyed throughout their lives. Lord, we pray that you would sustain her also at this time of sadness. We pray for the congregation here, and we ask that you would comfort them too. We realize that John will have left a gaping void, but we pray, Lord, that in your mercy and in your grace, that you would help this congregation to fill that void in the days ahead. Lord, we thank you that he was someone who loved his family. We thank you, Lord, that he was someone who loved you and sought to serve you so faithfully. And even, Lord, today we realize that he was someone who loved the work of ministry and those you called to be ministers. Lord, it is even self-evident as we look around the congregation today and we see so many ministers here whose lives were touched and impacted by that of John. We thank you for the wise advice that he was able to give. We thank you for the counsel that he was able to keep. And we thank you, Lord, for the support that he always brought. And we pray, Lord, for Stephen here. We ask, Lord, that you would strengthen and help him and support him in these days as he continues to engage in the work of ministry here. We ask, Heavenly Father, that he would know your blessing resting upon him. And, Lord, the grief that he feels at this time would be borne up by your love and mercy and grace. Lord, today we have been reminded of how we are to serve you with our lives, how we are to take what you have given us and to use it wisely. And Lord, we realize today the offer of salvation has been presented to all. And so we pray for any here today who do not know John's Savior, We pray, Lord, for any here today who do not know Jesus Christ personally, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would strive with them, that, Lord, you would speak to them about their need, and that, Lord, they would find it impossible to leave this place without having trusted in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for those words of commendation that John has heard. Well done good and faithful servant. But what frightens us, Lord, is that unless repentance comes to lives here today, that there will be those who will hear words of condemnation. Depart from me, for I never knew you. So today we ask that you would move and work in their hearts and lives and draw them savingly 
unto yourself. Comfort us all today. Strengthen us. Provide for us in the days ahead as we offer our prayers. In the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.